It's the internet. You're busy. Let's do this. Uh, welcome to the Game Suite Decides podcast. This is the podcast where we are going to talk about E3 some more because uh, that's what people want to hear about. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is Mike Minotti. Yeah, I was at E3 2017. <laughs> uh, did you get one of those shirts? No, no, I did not. <laughs> I desperately wanted one, but apparently they sold out on the first day. Oh, man. That's uh, something else right there. Um, in today's episode, we are going to talk about E3. Like I said, uh, first, I want to thank everyone for joining us. You can get more of me and Mike and the rest of the GamesBeat team at GamesBeat.com, part of VentureBeat.com. If you have something to share with us, email the podcast at GamesPlusPodcast at VentureBeat.com. That's the plus sign. You could also tweet us at GBDecides, I think is on Twitter, or at GamesBeat. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you could subscribe to the audio version of this show. We have it up on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. I'm sure you can still find it on iTunes if you really tried. Finally, if you like the show, rate us on all of those services, especially the iTunes one. That's the one that seems to help. Okay, so uh, Mike, we have returned victorious from the Electronical 3 Expo. How do you feel? Ah, I'm rested now. I feel better. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a crazy show, huh? I, crazy is definitely the right word. Uh, I I mean, I got over the crowds after a while. I'm like, oh, this is just how it's going to be. I'm okay. It was still still though. It was crazy. Um, I think that everyone's going to end up changing. We talked a little bit about this at one of the shows last week, but they're going to have to end up changing a lot of how they do this if they want to keep it a fan show as well. Um, well, I mean, but, they yeah, should. Yeah. Who knows if they will? Right. Yes, that's true. I mean, I, I think they might think, oh, we, you know, we sold all those tickets. I bet a lot of those people are going to come back next year and they might assuming that there are going to be changes made. But if it's two years in a row where people come away saying uh, it doesn't seem like the show's for me, I think that 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 might start uh, taking a dive in terms of attendance. I don't know. But um, yeah, I it, it was crazy in other ways, though. I think it was crazy because it was hard to predict who was going to come away the the big winner uh, of the show and i you know i'm i wasn't even really thinking about who won e3 uh, a lot during it but i would it's hard to kind of disregard the fact that nintendo seems to come have come away with some momentum at the very least is that your sense yes well i think nintendo did a good job maybe even like maybe better than you could have expected in some way whereas i you know the short version i think microsoft did about as good as they could with what they had we were still kind of right. We were talking about what is Microsoft going to even show? What could they show? And we were kind of right that they, they they didn't really have much, but they still were able to put on a good show. Uh, meanwhile, Sony kind of underperformed, which what seemed like should have been a pretty big advantage. Yeah, I, I, we, we should talk about this a little bit, how Sony definitely changed the tone of what is expected from E3 how people deliver it. They definitely set the tone in the way that everyone is following them. Uh, everyone is just doing trailers. Oh, yeah, everyone, everyone did that Sony style show this year to the point like, where by the time you got the Sony, you're almost like, Oh my God, just another show of all trailers. Yeah. And it's at this point, it's uh, starting to feel like there is some, I, I mean, at first, when the first couple of years when Sony did this and some of the people started following, I was feeling, yeah, this is probably the right way to do things. Did it? I mean, I'd have to go back and look, but did it seem like it was even more 
just all all trailers nonstop for like hours at a time. Yeah, to the point where when Ubisoft like like stopped for a second to have like Shiggy come up on the stage and talk to me, it was very refreshing. Right. I was like, oh, it like got a, a break here. I, I remember Sean Layden come on came on on the stage uh, after they did a bunch of their their trailers, and he's like, "Wow, that was a hell of an hour." And I'm like, "Man, really? It was like a solid hour." And I think it really was like 55 minutes of just trailers back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if you're ever presenting anything to anyone, doing anything for more than maybe like 10 to 15 minutes at a time without shifting gears a little bit, it might be a bad idea. And I think that people were feeling fatigued at the end of that hour. Uh, I don't know if they need to go back and talk about sales charts and stuff like Sony used to do 10, 15 years ago, but I think they maybe need to think about ways to disrupt their flow of just being a YouTube playlist. Right. I mean, that was the thing. I think the the big problem with Sony was just this kind of 2018 cloud, right? Like this, this was the much bigger problem. Yeah. yeah, This was the E3 that like, like they took a lot of stock out of this E3 for their past E3s. And this is the one where it kind of like, I guess came back to bite him a bit, right? Like a lot of these things, like Spider-Man could have been announced at this E3 and been a big deal. God of War, same thing, really. Um, but you yeah. know, the days gone, a lot of these things. Last of Us could have been announced here instead of PlayStation uh, X or whatever. So you know, a lot of these things we saw more of them. Last guard or Last of Us case, we didn't see that at all. But you know, these things were even further out than we thought. Like, I, I thought maybe some of these would be. I'm like shocked that God of War is not a 2017 holiday game. Yeah. Uh, what do they have for this holiday? It's Nat 2. <laughs> Got Nat and... 2. Uh, there must be something else. I mean, Days Days Gone isn't even this year. Right. Uh, so there's this really great economic theory guy who like made a really good point once about how like saving your money is – giving money to yourself in the future and borrowing money is taking money away from yourself in the future. And Sony might be a little guilty of, of the latter there in terms of how they've presented the last couple of E3s and really got the hype going based on things that you're right are com- not coming out for still another year. Uh, so the fact that they didn't have anything for 2019, 2020 makes me think like, okay, now they have all their teams working and they've already announced everything. So all they can really do is just say, Hey, we're making all those games we already said. And the big surprise was another shadow of the Colossus remake, because we could do that with a partner blue point, the same people that ported uh mm-hmm. Titanfall to uh Xbox 360 or whatever. So, so yeah, they, uh, they disappointed some people who have grown accustomed to what Sony has done in the past in terms of uh, in terms of just how they do their announcements and get people excited for things that are, you know, Shinmu three decades away. Yeah, fancy. And I mean, we yeah, there was a little bit of that with with um, Shadow of the Colossus, which is cool, but you know, it is a remake of a game that's not that old. Uh, I mean, I guess yeah, it's well, I mean, kind of old. I think you put that up on the thing, and people are going to get excited. They're like, "Oh, a new Shadow of the Colossus." It's like, well, no, it's actually just a remake. And you think about that game. If you know how to do all the bosses, it's just a series of bosses. If you already know how to do all of them, I mean, you're just kind uh, of, a, it's just kind of a tourism thing a at little. that point. You're like, oh, I want to go see what that game looks like again, all a over again. But so, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that's going to be, it's a bad idea. People will buy that game. Uh, it's just, it's not as exciting as some of the other things they could have Then found. like they open with Uncharted Lost Legacy when that's coming out this year. It's coming out in August and that's cool and all, but it is you know, a standalone expansion or, or whatever you want to call it, a mini campaign. It's not quite a full game. I, I, I talk, so I, I went to this Sony mixer thing and I did talk to Sean Layton there. Uh, and he, and I'm like, 
yeah, so I have this buddy, and I was talking about you. Hey, it's me. And he's, he's super into uh, everything Uncharted. And even he doesn't seem like he's not treating this like the next big Uncharted release in the way that you guys seem to pre- be presenting that. Uh, do you have? Do you feel like you're having a difficulty communicating just how excited you guys are to be selling this new Uncharted thing? Uh, and yeah, he definitely seemed like, yeah, we're treating it like the next big thing from the the, the world of Uncharted. Uh, but he didn't really have anything to say about how they closed the gap there. That like the the mental gap that I think a lot of fans have, where they're like, "This is just an expansion. You know, it's just an add-on. It's DLC." Um, and I think Sony wants to treat it as more, but it might not be more. So I think you might be sniffing out the truth here when Sony is trying to sell sell you something else. Right. Um, and it's I wonder if part of the problem is because when they first did show this off, it was like, "Yeah, it's part of the season pass," you know. So. That immediately like lowers your expectations, and now they're trying to be like, right. "Oh, it's like expanded from that." But still, and uh, yeah, I love Uncharted. And I'm, you know, I'm like looking forward to this, but no, I don't it, have like a are. fervor for it. You know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I just think Sony doesn't really understand that maybe they're not closing that that communication gap. Um, uh, the other thing there is, you're right, they didn't show The Last of Us two at this show. They showed it at PlayStation Experience in December. Um, that's where they first announced it. And then they had nothing else on that game here at all. Of course, it's probably pretty far away, but that makes a little bit of sense. Um, how do you, I mean, how do you feel about that sort of communication like strategy where Sony's saying we can show some stuff here and some other stuff at E3 and it doesn't have, each show doesn't have to cover everything. It seems, I think that might've been a miscalculation as well. I mean, I think it's good to have that other show. I mean, it's basically what Nintendo does, but yeah. like with a bunch of mini shows, it's good to have that, to have some excitements, but. But doesn't yeah. E3 feel like the world series in which you have to have, like if you've announced things in the past, they all have to be here in some like, capacity. Like maybe Shadow of the Colossus could have been announced at PlayStation X and Last of Us could have been here. Because if you close with the Last of Us 2 announcement at E3, that would have been a pretty yeah, that, uh, big closing it changes, moment. It changes right? the whole conversation. Right. Yeah. Uh, that would have been a final last one last thing in, instead of a, what was the mm-hmm. one last thing at, at the E3? What Spider-Man. Was, oh, right. And it was like cooking cool, but... Then there's a lot of like the QTEs and people weren't quite sure what to make of it anymore. Right. Like it's going to be, I'm sure it's going to be good, but, uh, and again, it's another, yeah, I mean, they're making, they're year. making a lot of big promises that we want to hear about that game, but it's just, it's, uh, it's hard to tell. It's hard to get too excited about mm-hmm. a, a Spider-Man game where you do see the big button prompt on the screen. That right. Way. Um, and then they, um, makes it hesitant. Mean, and they, you know, you have like, uh, the new monster hunter, which could be interesting, uh, they 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 are not talking very much about indies or anything like that anymore, which is another uh, I don't know if it's surprising, but it's an interesting move on their part because indies have become a very big part of Microsoft and Nintendo's thing. And it seems like it was just a couple of years ago where Sony was remember like the one theory was like they went down yeah. the line of all the indies that were on there and. Yeah, care. it it does seem like uh, you know I, I said this on Twitter and your brother got all butt hurt about it. But, <laughs> AJ. Yeah, yeah, AJ. I'll I'll repeat myself. Uh, it does seem like once these companies get into a certain market leader position, they uh, go from oh indies are are everything to us to being like oh yeah we have indies uh, we don't need to talk about it you guys already know we don't need to be uh, their their champions anymore. Uh, I think Microsoft did do that a little bit with the 360 era where they had the summer of arcade that, you know, really kickstarted indies on console with braid and a few other things. Um, and then that kind of, they, they kind of shifted away from emphasizing some of arcade because they were the market leader with the 360 
Microsoft's definitely come back around. Nintendo is super into indies right now. But Sony, you're right. This whole early generation was, well, yeah, indies were their bread and butter. Like they had a whole team of people right. at Sony Interactive Entertainment working on making these well, deals, and they still do. Well, like they made a big deal of Resogun at launch, right? And they had a, mm-hmm. the, the next game from those people at E3 on the show floor called Matterfall, and I played it. But it's and that's like a Sony game, too. It's right. not even an indie. And they didn't even kind of talk about that. It, no, um, they're not really talking about I don't that. Know. They didn't give Mac too much of a like. They, they gave games like pre-show like stuff, which was kind of weird. Like Mac Two and Grand Turismo. I know we're go- yeah we're going on about Sony for a little bit, but I do want to talk about that as well. What what was up with that pre-show? Uh, the pre-show, yeah, the pre-show shouldn't be so much of kind of the show. I mean, there was some kind of. I mean. Okay, first of all, they, they mentioned Vita once that whole night, and it was during the pre-show, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the Undertale announcement. And I, I heard uh, the guys that are actually making that game, um, or at least porting it to Sony platforms, is uh, 8-4, which is like a, this this house that did a bunch of um, uh, localizations for stuff like Fire Emblem in the past. This is the first game that they are porting and publishing themselves, and they knew it would be funny to like whisper Vita at the end of that trailer and which is why they did it. Uh, but I think you put, you, you put uncharted or under undertale in the, like the main show. And it kind of like, it sets a tone that says, Hey, we are, you know, still into Indies in a big way. And it has a huge fan base. Like even something like that would have made sense. But then there was, um, I mean, they didn't even have Gran Turismo in their main show. They kind of relegated that to the pre-show. And no one, like, I think a lot of people weren't watching the pre-show because you're like, you you have the time set on yeah, your thing. Yeah, you know, it starts at 6 it p.m. or whatever. And like, you don't, you show up and you're like, oh, they've already announced a bunch of different things. So it was, it was strange. It was like the ex- exact inverse of Nintendo where Nintendo had their little show and then rolled into announcements afterwards while people were still watching like stragglers who who kept the stream on. And there's something fun um, about the way Nintendo still will announce a couple of things after their right. show. Cause it's like, Oh, you still have to pay attention. Something's going to happen. But yeah. I, I, I do think, yeah, I just think that like Nintendo did a, I mean, I don't want to say like the smart way or the better way, but it just seemed like they trained their audience early on. Like right. the, their primary stream ended. They went into the Treehouse Live from the E3 show floor. A lot of people are still watching. And one of the first things they do is announce uh, Metroid Samus Returns for the 3DS. And that trains everyone watching. And everyone, you know, paying attention on Twitter, like, oh, Nintendo's still going to be talking about some new stuff. I should watch this thing. Right. It's very calculated. Whereas, it's very smart. Whereas Sony was just like, oh, well, we'll have people waiting to watch our thing that night. So we'll just announce stuff in the pre-show. And some people weren't paying attention at all because they were waiting for the big blitz yeah, to start it, when it's supposed it to just, start. It's it just, feels it like weird. Sony came out of the show almost in a worse place than when it went into it. Because you had that. You have this whole cloud of the uh, the cross play hanging over it now. Yeah. Right. Like they're not coming out good in that kind of argument. Um, it, it's just it's, Sony, Sony, Sony is such a consistent company this way where market leader Sony just seems like <laughs> such a dumber and less interesting company than like coming from behind Sony. They just can't help but kind of immediately unleash their hubris once once they are in a position of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they believe that like it's. Uh, when when they're strag or when they're struggling, when they are uh, you know trying to strive to get back to this top position, they are they do very interesting things. They're scrappy. They're easy to root for. And then yeah, it it seems like they have solidified this number one position, and now it's kind of getting to a point where it's really easy to be like, oh Sony being Sony. Uh, of, of course they're gonna have their ex- executives out saying, oh the reason we don't want crossplay between. Xbox One and Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4 is to protect our PlayStation Network players it's from for those the children. Players. 
And it's like, yeah, it's like motherfuckers. Like you've been able to have like PC players playing with Rocket League players on PS4 from the beginning. They're the PC, worst. Yeah, PC is completely unsecure. Yeah, they're it's really worried yeah. about those rowdy Nintendo fans. I know exactly. That's that might call really somebody funny. a dummy head. You know, and it's like one of these games is Minecraft, which is oh yeah, such a terrible community there that you have to right. really reg- like regulate. But so all those things are just starting to pile up, and it's yeah, it's making Sony look bad. I don't know how much it actually hurts them because none of this stuff is like a six hundred dollar PlayStation Three um, or anything like that, where it so might hurt sales. It's the, just starting to pile. The up. point is, nobody came out of anything like wow, look how good God of War looks or how good it plays because yeah. again, it's not, it wasn't actually playable on the show floor, so you know. Same with a lot of these games. It's like on the show floor, the presence is, you know, go into a theater and watch somebody play that game. So, yeah, I don't know. So just, what is there to talk about? Yeah, it's like some of these other, these other yeah, tertiary show. And then, and Microsoft, like, it's it's weird. It's like, in, a, in theory, their show was kind of similar. It's just a lot of game trailers. Uh, nothing crazy surprising. But you weren't, <laughs> I kind of wasn't expecting as much from them. Uh, yeah. Their whole big thing was the Xbox One X. And I, I don't know how successful their sales pitch for that has been it is this very high-end new system i I, i'm not getting the impression that people seem to be super into it i'm sure it's going to sell well when it comes out early adopters will always help but it's such such a hard thing to sell that in a video presentation because the whole point is like look how much better it looks you can't really get that idea just seeing it like that yeah, I was actually talking about this with uh, some people, some audio people, creative. I uh, was seeing one of their with their products, and they're like, "Oh, we've struggled for so long trying to explain to people how how you know important sound is because it's it's difficult to see." And I think the the visual side of things are starting to get to that point as well because this 4K doesn't stream well, it doesn't look as good as it looks in person. Uh, you know, we saw many of these games uh, in person ourselves, and they do look they do look, they look phenomenal. They look really good. When you have that 4K TV up close and it's a really nice TV that probably costs $5,000. But yeah, over the stream, it's just getting lost on people. And I I mean, I think I was expecting Microsoft to come out at $400 at least uh, to kind of fight against Sony, I guess. But the more I've thought about it, the more that that pricing scheme where they have this $250 Xbox One S and then for twice as much there is the Xbox One X. Uh, they're probably going to end up selling a ton of Xbox One S's. Uh, it, it, what it does is... It almost makes of, that seem more like like right. more of a value. Right. It really emphasizes that this Xbox One S is a real... Oh, that's a really good deal. And if you're cost conscious, conscience, conscious, you're probably not out there buying the 4K TV yet. You're probably not looking for a lot of 4K content yet. You're, you're sticking to what you know. Um and if you haven't bought one of the systems yet, you're like, oh, $250, I can just get that and I'll have my games. And when I am ready to upgrade, there's this, the most powerful system is there and maybe it'll come down in price and I'll buy it then. Um, I I don't know how much sense that makes. I don't know if this is really the, the strategy that's going to get Microsoft back on top, but I, it does make sense for the box that they made to, to kind of keep the Xbox brand going. It, it makes a little bit of sense, I, I guess. Yeah, uh, it, I don't think the Xbox one X is going to be a super great seller. It's probably going to sell out, but it's not going to be, um, it's, it's never going to outsell the S so at least not until a price cut. Cause they don't have that big first party game to be like, look at this game running on the Xbox one right. X, but the they Forza did do- is, there, is the game they're doing that with. And it's not right. But as we thought, they did do a very good job of finding third-party games and like showing, like debuting them at their show, so that you were seeing new things and you were associating it with Microsoft, even though you could play these on PC, PlayStation Four, like Metro Exodus, um, 
you know we saw yeah. the assassin's creed premiere there uh even dra- even drag ball fighters was at at their yes, show that's that was very the, interesting yeah right um then and of course I, that goes I, out with anthem and I, I don't know how uh, any, how important any of those first three games are going to be to selling xbox consoles but i could see if anthem does make it out next year and it is a uh, at least as, as successful as destiny I could see that convincing a lot of people to go with Xbox if there is exclusive content and Microsoft is promising that's where the game's going to look the best and it's going to look equivalent to that uh to that trailer. Uh that I mean in the way that Destiny has convinced people to stick with PS4 because of the content the, the exclusive Sony content for that game, I I think Anthem has that potential more so than any of the other games. But right, it was it was cool to see Microsoft at least saying, hey, here, here are the, the beautiful games. Here's how they look the best on the system, at least right. you know, when it comes to a console. It's what they had to do. And yeah, a lot of this stuff is just, you know, multi-platform games. But Anthem, as a closer, may still have been more effective than Spider-Man just because it looks so new, advanced right. and stuff like that. Where Spider-Man looks really cool, but it's still kind of you know arkham arkham spider-man and there's qte things and, and some stuff like that right, it, a lot of familiar stuff mm-hmm. and there's anthem you know and again microsoft does at least have that argument like hey this these games are going to run best on our system so it kind of gives them a reason to show off third-party stuff and, and they were doing something else that uh uh sunny didn't do is that they did focus on indies and some of these digital games um, mm-hmm. Probably one of my favorite announcements from either of these two was the was Ori and the Will of the Wisps, just because you know I love that first game. But just in general, right? Like Sony doesn't have something kind of like that. Microsoft can show off Cuphead, and it's kind of a big deal, right? And oh, that's fun. But Sony was just kind of you know 2018 big game, 2018 big game, 2018 big game. Yeah, it, it was two very different shows presented in a similar style. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, it does seem like not a lot of people are talking about the Xbox One X. I, I wonder if it will still appeal to that same crowd that's going to be wanting the best stuff and is willing to spend that money. For oh, so. Hello, Penny. Dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, um, I think w- one last thing about Microsoft, then we'll kind of go into Nintendo. Um, the the parody thing where like a game like Destiny is going to be held back a little bit on the Xbox One X and it's going to run at 30 frames per second because... Bungie doesn't want people on Xbox One X to have uh, an advantage over Xbox One proper players who are stuck at 30 frames per second. Um, Was that, I mean, I think that's kind of, that's a big negative headline, but it does feel like something that will fade away with time. It just seems going to, if we're going, if this is the way these consoles are going to be for a while, where we're going to have these incremental upgrades, it's going to have to at some point. Like what if there's like the next Xbox One, right? which mm-hmm. could happen at this point before we get like the Xbox two, are we still going to like hold that back for people playing on the original Xbox one? Yeah. I, I could see why it's something developers have to say right now because they are trying to sell as many copies as possible. And they know a lot of people aren't going to be buying these new systems. So you just say upfront, no, it's not going it, to, you're not going to get that much worse of an experience. You're not going to be in a disadvantage. Uh, but as that ratio maybe shifts over the next year or two, uh, or people just start to care less, because uh, the the announcement wasn't just made and people aren't paying as close att- close attention, I think developers could get away with this by next year, where they do have a sixty frames per second multiplayer mode for people on the Xbox One X, um, and I kind of hope it shifts that way. And it'll probably just be a process more than just someone flips on yeah. a switch and says, "Okay, now it's okay." I, I think the just the interesting thing about both Sony and Microsoft is they they didn't seem to have great shows. 
maybe yeah. okay, but they're not. They don't seem to be generating a ton of buzz. I mean, a lot of weird things from Microsoft even weird. Like Crackdown Three, we kind of thought would be this big deal, and like here's Crackdown Three, and man, sure does look like Crackdown. Uh, right. We were kind of like thinking, well, maybe that's going to be like you know, since they don't have a Halo or a Gears of War, like this is going to be a really impressive thing. It really looks like they just kind of are pushing out a new Crackdown. Yeah, I. I think the, the kind of the bigger things uh, for Microsoft were uh, getting the at least console timed exclusive of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. That definitely sure. should do something for them in the way that Ark has. Ark has sold very well on the Xbox One, even though it's, it's it's now on PS4. It's still people consider it when it's on consoles as an Xbox One game. Um, and then Sea of Thieves, I think, is starting to really kind of get traction. But that's another 2018 yeah, game, cool. and, is it, sea and of I think 2018 really. It's 2018. It just How seems is that like not coming out this year. I, and and I know people are maybe against the idea of big publishers doing this, but I really wish Microsoft and Rare would just say fuck it. We understand that we we're not quite sure how to how to structure this game, so let's just put it in our early access program with the Xbox. It does kind Xbox of seem One like an early access kind of game, doesn't it? Yeah, just do it. Just release it this holiday as early access for you know thirty nine ninety nine, and then you know work up to releasing it as a full retail thing for sixty dollars. I. I I mean, Phil Spencer keeps talking about how uh, these games uh, don't have the big weekend and then they their sales drop off. They have the long tails and they actually grow. And he, he was on some interview show where he was talking about how, you know, some games like Ark started big and they just got bigger and PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds started big and just kept keeps getting bigger. Um, and that's one of the reasons that Microsoft is not investing in a lot of single player games that come and go for their system. First first party games like that. They want to make these other games. So if you have this Sea of Thieves that that is going to fit into this new structure that you keep talking about, commit to it. Actually go whole hog with it. Release it as an early access game and let it build up over time. Like have some confidence that your teams can do that. Uh, and then I might be more willing to buy Spencer when he's talking about that's the reason they don't want to make first party games. And really, it's that they're just afraid of failure, because mm-hmm. uh, I think that's actually what it really is, is they're afraid of investing money in a failure. So so the transition to Nintendo here now, it's if you're ready for that, by the way, I am. Let's do it. It's it's interesting how like we would we you know we would say like oh Nintendo doesn't do like their E three shows anymore blah 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 there is literally no difference now between what they do and what everybody else does like <laughs> unless they like got a lot of people into a theater to sit down and then watch that video there'd be literally no difference <laughs> the only difference is Nintendo has one long video. And they someone hits play on that, and yeah. Sony is like in the back room, like has a playlist and just hits play on like twenty five different videos. Mm-hmm. Like that's the major difference. <laughs> like, so, like how much longer so strange. until they're just all doing that anyways? Like why pay for these theaters? Yeah, I mean, Sony still seems very interested in in doing that in a way. I think, but they, they were think doing it, some uh, fancy stuff on that stage, uh, and they had they did last cool. year as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the last year they had like the projection on the on the floor, and I really dug that. And this year they had like actors hanging from the ceiling pretending to be zombies, which was a bit weirder, but still very, very but, visually striking. But, Nintendo, but yeah, I think you're right. Nintendo the other, the other companies are going to start doing this. Yeah. It, it, there's, and their show was a lot shorter than their, uh, the people's, right? It was like, what, 20, 25 minutes, 25 minutes or something like that. Yeah. But they, it was such a good show. They had so many interesting things happening in that short amount of time. And they were showing yeah. a lot of games that you know, are coming out this year. I mean, the big Mario Odyssey section, which was a game everyone was already looking forward to, and they they kind of, like, 
they, they made us anticipate that game without actually showing us the main hook of it, this whole possession thing. Yeah, since, like, uh, since first showing it in October, they have never showed the possession. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, a smart trailer where everybody thought it was like Monster Hunter at first because it's just a T-Rex. <laughs> it just turns into a realistic looking T-Rex, too. Oh, yeah. yeah like, it's hilarious. And then, like, it just turn, you see him throwing his hat on people and taking control of them. This jazz song's playing and just, yeah, anticipation for, for that game just went through the roof with that. But they, and they were able one to, of the like, best trailers. Oh, it's great. And they were, yeah, they were able to show things kind of like that. And, but they were also able to have these really, like, neat uh, announcements specifically. Metroid Prime 4 did not think that was actually going to happen. And there it was. And it was yeah. weird because I was, I, I, I kept saying, like, it's, they have to show Smash Bros. I want Smash Bros. going to be disappointed. They somehow didn't show uh, Smash Bros. And I wasn't disappointed because they still they they basically have like a major game coming out each month for the rest of the year. And yeah, they really do. Stuff I was like, look at that. Yeah. It's, uh, so what is it? It's uh, arms just came out. Mm-hmm. Splatoon 2 in July. Uh, what was August? It's Rabbids. Um, yeah, God, Rabbids. And it looks September- great. September was, uh, I think, another third-party game that was pretty big, and I can't, I'm not going to be able to remember it. But then October was was Mar- Super Mario Odyssey. Right. There's Xenoblade in there somewhere. I think yeah, Fire Emblem. Oh, then, then they announced a new Kirby game and a yeah, new maybe it was that Fire Yoshi maybe it was game. Fire Emblem Warriors. It's, mm-hmm. it's, that is September. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So there. Yeah. They announced those things. We know next year we're going to have Fire Emblem proper for the Switch. Uh, maybe Metroid Prime Four later in that year, if not. Pokemon, 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 Pokemon tournaments this year. They announced. Yeah, yeah the that's that okay. Bit. Actually, no, that is September. Is yeah, Pokemon that's tournament. September. Okay. So, um, yeah, so but, uh, I think on the other the other half of Nintendo, there is uh, how, how do you feel about those uh, those 2018 announcements that are clearly maybe designed to say yes, you should if you are a Pokemon fan, you should be buying the Switch. If you thought you needed to not buy it because that's where you're going to be, you're going to be playing on 3DS. Uh, just because it's coming out there this year, you're wrong. Go ahead and buy Switch now. Play the Pokemon game this year on your 3DS, and then be ready for next. I year. mean that that announcement specifically very much seemed to be. Uh, some people were upset about our like a week earlier with uh, Ultra Sun and the Ultra Moon coming Pokemon to 3DS, Direct, yeah. right? So it's kind of like, hey, we are going to actually make a proper Pokemon game for the Switch. Don't worry. I think that's and fine. I, I do too. I, I think that is uh, the clear indicator that 3DS in fact, is on the way out. I kind of appreciate the fact that. Like they say that and they announce Metroid Prime 4 by showing a logo instead of like having some pre rendered movie thing that isn't really right. anything. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. I think Nintendo is smart not to waste a lot of money on it because they still they still got as much attention as I think they would have otherwise, or right. if they would have got more with the, with some CGI thing, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be significantly that much more. So they did what they were trying to do. I'm excited. I want to see it. Uh, maybe I don't necessarily necessarily believe it's going to come out next year, but I, you know, I'm willing to see. Let, let's find out. Um, hey, Rocket League. Yeah, Rocket League. Yeah, I played the it on Switch. the Switch while at the show, and it was yeah, it was it was great. It played exactly like you expected it to. It's running on Unreal three instead of four, which is what Rocket League runs on on all the systems. Uh, so the developer said that they we're we're having a little bit more issues than maybe you would if you were using unreal F- engine 4 mm-hmm. uh but they they are getting it working it does look great uh and it's one of those games that i wish i would have just been playing all week instead of um <laughs> you know having instead of writing all week which is what i was doing um there was a uh, maybe one or was another nintendo thing i wanted to touch on but now it's had, well it's the, the, the surprising mind. amount of 3ds things specifically that's it we had yeah. metroid 2 remake which um 
was really exciting. You were kind of getting a little worried about it, but people, every like, it wasn't open to play for everybody once in their booth. But some journalists it was very played few it. people. Like, very yeah. few people got to but play the, it. Everyone who plays it seemed to be really uh, enthusiastic about it. I'm yeah, so I'm very very excited about that. I, uh, I yeah, I so yeah, you're right. I've kind of done a little bit of a roller coaster. Very excited, <laughs> less excited. Getting excited again, although boy, I wish it was on Switch instead of 3DS. Sure. Um, yeah, we were talking about this. Like Nintendo, like Nintendo, like is just like afraid to put these kind of like lower fidelity games on the Switch mm-hmm. that were made for the 3DS. So we can't just pull port it over there; it won't look as good. I'm like, it's fine. Yeah. I just want to play yeah, it over. There. No, none of us are going to care. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Just put um, just put those games on both systems. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean that that might do it for Nintendo. Uh, Anything else from like any of the other publishers that has uh, oh, kind of what, been sticking in anyone's craw? Uh, the other like th- the other three like uh, Ubisoft act uh, or not Bethesda, Activision, yeah, Bethesda EA. EA. Who do you think had the best kind of show? Um, I, I out of them, I would probably say Ubisoft almost without a doubt. Uh, I liked Bethesda show. I thought Wolfenstein yeah, was good. Wolfenstein was a very good closer. Um, right. Yeah, well, maybe let's yeah. maybe let's kind of let, let's start with EA real quick then, and then, uh, and then well, EA was kind of. I mean, it was fine, but it was it, kind of boring. yeah. There's not much to say. I mean, Star Wars, Star Wars Two cool. is, and and it it has gotten a ton of buzz. It the trailer for that game has shot up on YouTube. It's got like 10 million, maybe 11 million now of views. By it's going to sell uh, very well. Yes, uh, and I think they are doing exactly what they need to with that game in terms of. Uh, providing more content in the multiplayer so people feel more of a progression and it's more sticky and then having that that really interesting prospect of a single player campaign with its own story and its own characters and that actress came out who's playing the the imperial officer uh she did was on the stage for a long time on ea and she did a really good job and she's really being a an excellent pitch person for that game because she's getting me excited because she's she's so enthusiastic and, and good at, at good at her job it seems like so uh so yeah, it's it does what it has to do. Everything else from EA, um, you know, besides the anthem that showed at Microsoft later, I think was, yeah, it, it's what we expected them to be. A way out looks great, but I just kind of want to play it before I'm, you know, sure. I, I didn't touch it. I know Dean did; he liked it, but I want to kind of put my hands on it before I get too excited about it. Um, yeah, you're right. Everything else was just the sports games we expected. A few other things, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And but, Bethesda yeah. was was fun. I mean, Wolfenstein was a very good closer. That game looks great. I really right. want to play that uh, last one now. Then they had like some weird VR nuts. What else did they talk about? Like drawing a blank um, on them all of a sudden. Can, yeah, you, you just you, you just said the VR games, right? Yeah, yeah. They, um, I mean, I think I, I mean it, it might not have been much. I mean, there was definitely like there a bunch of different Skyrim things. Like they had Skyrim for <laughs> Skyrim for Switch. They had. Uh, had Skyrim content in uh, Elder Scrolls Legends. Elder Scrolls Online was getting some Skyrim stuff. Is that what it was, no, was I happening? Was, I don't think. Oh, no, on, it was already in online. Legends was for sure, though. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm trying to find out our story where we wrote everything that happened. Yeah. I mean, there was yeah, the there's DLC for Dishonored. Uh. Yeah, so we should, let, oh, let's yeah. let's mention yeah. this this weird theory that uh john evil Davis within two Pixel. is the other big one whatever that's right evil within two that's right uh how do you think that looks i i was kind well, of working and i st- still i'm a coward so you know i don't play yeah, games. me too but I, I i've been trying to play more of them uh but i i just by all accounts evil, evil within one was good i thought all accounts it was bad i thought really? it was at least not yeah i thought that was it was like uh, at least very mixed, I thought. Um, I, mean, I thought it was like at least an 80-something on Metacritic. Now I'm looking this up. It might be. Who knows? Oh, it has I, 75, I thought, so I guess somewhere in between. 
Okay. I, yeah, that's a little bit. T- I thought it was lower than that. Okay, so I think it might have been flawed. I thought it was higher than that, to be fair. So there we are. Okay. I, I think the, the real thing, I'm trying to remember uh, what people were saying. And I think, yes, it, people liked it, but it was, it was very flawed. So that's more promising because, you know, in the sequel, a lot of times the flaws all get fixed. Those things get smooth, smoothed out and people come back and are really happy. Or you have a Cars so maybe, 2 and it gets worse. Yes, there you go. That's true. Or car, Cars 3 is better though, right? Cars 3, yeah. I saw it. Actually fun. Yeah, I like that one. Okay, good. That's good. Good to hear. Um, but yeah, so hopefully Evil Within comes out and it's it, it's great. But I, I think uh, I, I was starting to say this. We heard an interesting theory from uh, Glixel's John Davison when we were waiting in line at Microsoft or something. He mentioned that the show, he thought the show was shorter and he thinks it's because Todd Howard's new game, Starfield, which is going to be his space RPG, um, was supposed to be in the show. And then he said, and then you know Todd Howard's like, no, I don't want to show it. Um it's not ready or something. And he got really mad or something. So he didn't even show up on the stage at Bethesda. They didn't show the game and it got cut short. I, does that sound possible to you? I mean, maybe I, I didn't get an impression that the show felt short. I understand that the time length was a little weird. I don't know, but this, this Starfield thing better be impressive, man, because they're going to go up against project CD red cyberpunk thing. Everybody, kind of just wants Elder Scrolls 6, and they're saying that's not even in development because of this game, which, you know, yay, new IP, but when your new IP is just a sci-fi RPG, I don't know if it even counts anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, at that point, you may as well just make Elder Scrolls 6 and get people what they want. So, so yeah, yeah, I don't know about this thing. We spent room, a year in the room coming up with ideas, and we came out with sci-fi RPG. I mean, that's like, what that's what, what is... Uh, freaking uh bioware's new thing oh it's a sci-fi rpg what did yeah Bungie no make yeah when they got to do oh sci-fi rpg oh cool <laughs> yeah. right exactly yeah we, we have a million of these now and and some of them are starting to look pretty good and if because this tech is still kind of feeling pretty ancient who knows how oh god this just cannot run on that skyrim <laughs> i mean god i don't know maybe it maybe it will and maybe that's why they're like we're gonna have elder scrolls 6 come out and be the new thing on the new engine but we maybe we can get one more game fallout 4 was really pushing it already yeah no it was i mean i i like that game but it was definitely you're right pushing it we'll we'll see who knows i don't i just don't know if they have the bandwidth to really rewrite that whole thing or come up with something new so who knows that'll be very interesting it just again it just seems like i don't know like as long as games take to make already Going more than six years between Elder Scrolls games just seems a little not so to me. Yeah, I mean, they've really, really wrung everything they can out of Skyrim, and they still are. They still. Um, yeah, I'm getting yeah. pretty sick of seeing stuff about Skyrim, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'll i say that um, I don't necessarily believe that the, the Starfield was supposed to be in that show just because if it was like 20 minutes shorter than it normally is, that show started really late. It started Bethesda's showcase began at midnight Eastern time. And I just think like, you know, it was a short, it was a short show because of how late it started and they didn't want to keep it going all into all hours of the night. So they kept it tight. They had what they had and they packaged it in a way. So it was like 40 minutes long. And it's like that, that made sense to me. Um, Whereas the Starfield thing, I'm like, I mean, they probably would have planned it out a long time ago, not to show that. And it was probably just fine. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you, though. That game better be great. Okay, so then uh, the, the one that really did surprise us that we were pretty happy with, Ubisoft, um, they had, I think there was there was a triumvirate of games here, and they spaced them out in a way that really made them more, that really made the show pop. So it started with Mario plus Rabbids, and that was, that that was great. great. 
Right. It ended with Beyond Good and Evil uh, 2. Which just uh, like just the game. just like announcing that in any way, shape, or form is like a win. Right. After yeah. After all the uh, speculation and like doubt and all that stuff. And then what was the game in the middle that they had? I'm trying to Skull remember. And Bones. There was another Skull and Bones. That's right. The pirate game, which again, right. this is another thing people kind of just wanted them to shoot off Assassin's Creed Four basically into its own thing, and that's what this is, and it's kind of turning into this like multiplayer games as service sort of a deal, but it looks pretty cool still. And I I think that um, having those three games as you know, surprises to varying de- various degrees, uh, you know, Beyond Good and Evil was a huge surprise. We have heard a little bit about Skull and Bones, thought it might be coming. It is. Uh, we knew Rapids was coming, but it was still totally seeing it leaked. on stage was unreal, you know? Right. It's like, oh, that's so, a thing. Yeah, to various degrees, they all did what they were supposed to do in terms of getting us excited or at least curious and interested. Um, and then in between of the, all, all of those, they had uh, the crew, too. Starting to look pretty interesting because it has boats and yeah. motorcycles and planes and shit. So right, all the stuff they showed that we even knew about looked good. Assassin's Creed looks looked good. Uh, South Park looks good. I would just say, um, yeah, uh, yeah, Assass- yeah. I would say the only one that uh, I think people are starting to be a little fuzzy about is Far Cry Five, just because it looks so Far Cry. <laughs> it's um, still yeah, it's still very much Far Cry, and yeah. I think there is some fatigue. On, on that yeah. series, they basically I, I, turned it. I think people were just maybe expecting like them to take some risks with this one, and the risks the risks are all on the story side, the setting yeah. side, and not so much in the gameplay. Right? No, yeah, exactly. It's like there's, there's like it's weird. There is controversy around it, but then you play it like, yeah, this is, this is certainly <laughs> Far Cry. I, you know, yep. what are you expecting? But dirt d- dudes in trucks chasing me down with like automatic rifles. Like, yeah, right. I yes, remember, I remember Far much. Cry going to a town and liberating it. <laughs> yes, there totally. was fishing though. I did like was, the fishing. Yeah, there was and flying, and I don't think flying was any of the, in any of the previous. There ones, was a weird so. flying chair in Far Cry Four, like a helicopter, but with like a, like a lawn chair tied to a propeller. Yeah. You remember that? Oh, really? Okay. Basically, yeah, I mean, not literally, yeah. but pretty much, it's what it felt like. Well, that's something. So, okay. So they've, they've expanded on their previous ideas either way. Yeah. That far cry five, I think is the one that people are not sure about the rest of those games though, uh, either exceeded expectations or completely surprised, completely surprised us. Um, so I think because of that, I think Ubisoft I think they were the come away looking very strong. Yeah. All right, we've been going, we should um, take our break and then we should talk about some of the games we played maybe because we're like, yes, 50 that's a good idea. This. Yeah, holy shit. Okay, so in that case, all right, we're going to go to a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about our games, and then we're going to get out of here because this podcast is going too long. (sighs) All right, Mike. Um, Whether developing, playing, or simply hosting games on a server, Intel makes it happen. You understand what I'm saying? I understand you, sir. Intel wants to make sure the biggest innovations in gaming continue to happen on the PC by giving developers a hand with the Intel Game Dev Program. Uh, The Intel Game Game Dev Program, this is a program where you can sign up as a developer and you can kind of get a bunch of resources, a bunch of extra help from Intel to help complete your games, help figure out how to make your games even better. The URL for that program is software.intel.com slash game dev. Uh, and you can sign up for it there and get all that help from Intel. Um, so go ahead, head on over to the game dev program at software.intel.com slash game dev to get started. Mike, what are you going to do this evening? Oh, man, I think you'd have to be a stupid idiot not to go sign up. I totally drowned you out there. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're the stupid idiot now. I'm not saying it again. <sighs> software.intel.com slash game dev. 
Nice mixing. Yeah, I know, right? And we're back. Hey, it's us. It is us. That mic, you're so observant. It turns out that it was us the whole time. <laughs> wow, it's <Mike>. just ending. <laughs> uh, what games did you like from E3 2017? Oh, God. Mario, 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 Mario. That's... Let's get it out of the way. You just want to like, let's out just do way. it. Right I mean, what else even is? I think. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I feel I like know. if you, ha- if anyone's been paying attention, I mean, I, I'm not complaining. I want to hear more about it myself, and I played it a bunch. Yeah, so, I um, know. But I mean, there's no there's no other games coming close to the kind of buzz that this game got from E3, right? Like easily, this was the game of the show. Could yeah, anybody I, possibly make an argument for another game? Um, no, I mean, I think there are some surprises like Dragon Ball Fighters, which is actually like that. that actually is my second favorite game from this show is Dragon Ball Fighters. Right? There's things like that that I think people will be like, oh wow, that's super interesting, but. Uh, you talk about a game that already had high expectations in Mario Odyssey and then first surpassing it by showing that trailer with its new mechanic that is like the core of of uh, the, the whole entire gameplay of, of taking over other objects, you know, through possession and then playing it and seeing like, oh, there's even more to it than that. Like, uh, so uh, Mike, I actually kind of want you to start. You played it a couple times. So that yeah. first day and coming back the second day, let's just like run through what our experience was like going to Nintendo to play well, this game. It's cool because like the first time I'm playing and they had two demos, um, 10 minutes each with uh, like the desert level, which was a bit more kind of like a Mario Galaxy level, but but more open than that, where there was kind of a path. You can mm-hmm. kind of stray off that path, but there it, it, there, there is kind of a path that makes it play like a level. And then New Donk City is like full on, just open, uh, kind of run around, see what you can find, stuff like that. Um, and I got to do 10 minutes of each of those. And it was like the first time you're kind of just exploring. You're trying to figure out like what's new. You're trying to possess everything you can. And I really had the most fun the second day when I went back with you. And I got to like, I just like try to get as far in that desert level as I possibly could. Like mm-hmm. I was kind of just more straight up, like playing through the game and just uh, just having so much fun with its smoothness and just how good it looks and how great it controls and how clever it is at every little turn. Yeah, so I I was uh was pretty jealous of you getting to play it. Um, I worked it out so I could take over one of our other people's appointments on Thursday and finally get a chance to play it myself. Um, and we went in and we walked in and like, hey, yeah, well, you could you could play it or you could play Splatoon too. We have the horde mode. And I'm they, like, oh, okay, well, they were very right. adamant of making sure about yeah. everybody tried out that Splatoon two horde mode first, right? <laughs> Which were, was yeah, fun, pretty, actually. I did yeah, it is totally. Cool. And I it wish we would have recorded it actually. Although I told I was totally lost about how to like like what I was actually doing. I think I think my teammates were actually pretty bad. So my I, the entire uh, time was. I was just trying to defeat other. Well, I was trying to defeat the, the like incoming waves, and I didn't have any time ever. To like look around and figure out like like at the menu system or like how I was supposed to be uh, bat, uh, bat putting my golden eggs in a basket or whatever, mm-hmm. which I guess was the uh, the goal. But I never took the time to figure that out because I was always dealing with an actual problem. Um, but yeah, th- that game, it was fine. But the, the entire time I'm like, man, I hope I still get plenty of time with Mario. And we went right from there over the back to our Mario station where we first came in and we're talking to the people. And they let us play and we kind of got to play for... Like, I think like 40 minutes, maybe 50 minutes. Right. Yeah. After being a little pushy about Splatoon 2, they're pretty much like you're here for an hour. You can do what you want on your station. And like they had other games on it. You could play like Arms, which is we've reviewed now. Um, mm-hmm. Fire Emblem Warriors, which I played a bit of, you know, it's Fire Emblem with Dynasty Warriors. The, you know, it's right. fine. But it's pretty. They, they knew they know people are there to play Mario and they're kind of fine with it. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, it was great to kind of get my hands on it. I. I think the first one I went into was that uh, 
was the desert stage. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting for us just kind of getting used to the, the new controls. And I was playing with the, you play with the joy cons separated. Do, and, do you uh, think you'll actually play the game with the separated joy cons? Cause it's, it's more, it's almost more comfortable mm -hmm. than it should be because I'm used to yeah. the waggle as the uh, Mario galaxy games, but I'm probably just going to play it with a pro controller. I will, I will definitely experience ex experiment with it, but I think as long as I could do everything with a pro controller, I'm going to use a pro controller. Mm -hmm. I think so. Uh, but we'll we'll see because uh, I do like the idea of just like letting my shoulders relax while I play through an entire Mario game. Um, but but we'll see. As for like getting my hands on and trying it with the Joy-Con separated, it was a, a little bit weird at first because I don't ever play any games like that on the Switch. Sure. Uh, I don't even really use those separated from the system itself. I'm either using a Pro Controller or I'm using the, the system as a portable device. Right. Um, so it, it took me a second and it, he has a ton of moves. I think Mario has more maneuver uh, maneuverability options than he's ever had before it feels um, that way yeah even just so throwing like the hat out you can like swirl it around you you can kind of like mm -hmm. leave it out there you can like hook it yeah and that's just the hat stuff like I, he can also um uh like he has all his traditional 3d moves where he could do the side jump he could do a back jump he could do a long jump um you could jump off the hat uh you can um, right, you can roll into a ball you, yes roll into a ball and jump around like as the ball you can jump, jump, jump up around. in the air jump up in the air and dive, which is one of the things I was struggling with. Uh, well, I wasn't, I could do it. I just uh, always did it after I was already about to die. Um, it, but yeah, it, so there was a ton of different ways to move Mario. And I'm like, I'm getting used to that as well in this 10 minute demo. Um, so it was like kind of a little bit overwhelming at first. I'm like, man, yeah, yeah, I could kind of do whatever I want. And I was experimenting that entire time. Uh, so it was like, once I started like looking up and realizing, oh, there's also this amazing uh, icy desert world for me to explore. Uh, that blew me away like all over again. It's it's gorgeous. The art design is incredible. Um, I really like the uh, Dio de los Muertos characters, uh, the sort of shy guys oh, that yeah. are they look all great. dressed up in that, you know, the, the, the Aztec, Aztec like, color schemes or whatever. Um, yeah, it was just it was kind of phenomenal to finally get my hands on it and experiment that and uh, experiment with it and yeah. and realize it just how open it is. Like I was running through the stage and. Uh, she's like, Hey, go down that, you know, this big, you know, gaping chasm in the middle of the desert. And Mike's like, yeah, do it. I, I didn't, I didn't go down there. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I jumped down there and discovered this whole little icy cave area that felt very much like super Mario sunshine's uh, yeah. special platforming stages. Did you get there, that? There, sense? There's kind of like a bunch of those little things. Hey, we're like, we like, sometimes like you'll go somewhere. It will just take you to like a platforming challenge area. Kind of like that, which is super neat. Yeah. So, um, it was reminding me a little bit of sunshine, it, the openness and the kind of discovering the sandbox world itself was very super Mario 64. Um, but, but the like, the, like the constant, like creative little outbursts remind me of galaxy. Right? Yes, absolutely. I, and, 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 but the more I come away from the game and I'm sort of looking back and thinking about how strange it is and how, um, how you are like overtaking a dinosaur and you have all these weird, uh, the, this very weird mechanic as the as the core uh, surrounded by a Mario game, it's starting to feel to me almost like Nintendo is embracing the early weird days of its sequels, where Super Mario Two in the U.S. was very different from Super Mario Brothers One. Uh, it had the you know the the mechanic where you pull out the vegetables or whatever. And I know it's a different game in Japan, but it was made by the Mario team, and it's a reason. There's a reason it came here as Mario. Mm -hmm. um, like Zelda and, and, is even the better example. Yeah, right? Zelda. Yeah, too. Zelda. Yeah, and that, where they took a lot of risks, and it, it's it's just starting to feel like this game is that strange Nintendo returning triumphant to make something new instead of sticking to the very tried and true stuff that they've maybe have done in the in the recent years with with Mario games.
I mean, it definitely and feels like other games, right? Because of the mix of the Switch being a big deal, and this is an early Switch game, and a lot of that, it seems like there's the most initial buzz for this, as much as I can remember for a Mario game, maybe since '64. And I was a kid back then; maybe didn't have right. as much of a pulse on it, but. It just it seems like people are really anticipating this one. I, it seems there's no reason to think it's not going to be a huge deal. Yes, it definitely seems like it's going to be huge. Um, I think New, New Donk City, real quick, exploring that. Oh. That was that was kind of great, too. It, it felt very different than the desert stage where um, the, a lot of the the uh, the goals, like you're collecting moons. That's, you know, there's stars and shines in previous games. Now you're collecting moons. Um, there were in the desert stage, there were these areas where you would go through a, t- a warp pipe or you'd go into a little uh, cave and you would discover those, those platforming stages or whatever I was talking about before in new Donk city. It seemed like a lot of stuff was on the map itself. Like for example, yeah. there was collecting the band. Uh, I could have brought the band together f- for Pauline, mayor Pauline's uh, party. Uh, and I would have got, a, I would have got a moon for that. Um, you know, that's not to say it didn't have its, its little side sections or or stuff, but there's a lot to do in that overworld. One of the cool things is like, unlike 64 and sunshine, like you don't go into a level and like pick what, what star you're going after. Like Mm -hmm. once you're in the level, you kind of just explore and it'll kind of start like the desert level kind of starts you on a path. Like, Hey, this is where one moon might be kind of like, yeah, like pans away from it. Right. But like, once you collect this, once you collect the moon, you're not like taking out a level. You have to like go back in and maybe it'll kind of reset with some different variables. Like. You're in right. that level. You can just keep go, keep getting moons as much as you want. I ugh, can't wait to just like 100% this thing. It's going to be just yes. so much fun. Yeah. So, um, so maybe we should talk about some other games. Yeah. Um, there were some other games. They, there could have almost. Yeah, there were. Them. One of the <laughs> other best games was also a Mario game though. Yeah. It's kind of, let's uh, yeah. Mario plus Rabbids was actually probably my number two. Um, <laughs> it's super really, fun. I am really excited to have that on my switch just anywhere right. playing that game all the time. Um, it was surprising, you know, the, the game is made by Ubisoft, but they seem to be putting a lot of heart into it. And Nintendo seems to care about it as well. And it's been as guiding Ubisoft on it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a great tactics game with a ton of fun stuff featuring these interesting characters along with Mario. Right. Just having Gee, like the warp pipes in like a tactics map is so kind of fun and yeah. wacky. Yeah, and that's just one example, but it was like so, you like you immediately understand the possibilities there. Like you saw it, you went through there, you went through it, and it did this awesome attack where you just like ran through, hit a guy, and came back, you know, through another pipe and went right back to where you started. And it's like okay, I could see all the different ways that they could play with these mechanics. Um, and there was a bunch of stuff like that. Just the, the like you can bounce the characters off one another to make them like fly across the map super quickly. Um, there was a. Uh, you know, co-op attacks and things. Uh, it was just a, a really smart way to build on familiar mechanics. And yeah, I just couldn't be more excited to play that game. Oh yeah. That's, that's yeah. Cause coming out looking way more fun than it had any right to. Right. Um, uh, you, you mentioned that Dragon Ball Fighters was going to be your number two. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't get to touch it. So I'm, I'm very interested in what I saw. Oh, from I touched it. Why don't you talk about it a little bit? Oh, oh good. I'm glad you touched it. <laughs> touched your Dragon Ball. It's just so, it's Wonderful. Just, it just looks so good, man. I mean, I'm not, I played Guilty Gear Zero, which is basically the same technology where you kind of can make like these these two. Like, you use these three D models to like make a game look like a two like a two D almost sprite based game, but you can move the camera around it and stuff. But it's just the difference here is like we know what Dragon Ball Z normally looks like, and just this looks so much like that. And just the way the camera it looks like you're playing the like cartoon. Little, yeah, it's just incredible. And you know, uh, Arc System Works makes incredible two D fighting games that feel fantastic. This also 
just feels great. And it has the Marvel vs. Capcom 2 kind of three player or three party right. team thing. And like like just like when like one of the party members dies and the other person comes in, they'll just like jump in. It's like a Dragon Ball Z, they like the camera cuts them like they're flying in and then they like reach <laughs> the other guy and they like deadlock with their arms and they like stare each other down for a second. It's just so cinematic and cool. Uh just really looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I it's uh, I really I like those characters a lot. You know, I haven't cared about Dragon Ball in a long time. Right, we were we were we were both like young teenagers when Dragon Ball Z was a thing. It was the biggest Yeah, so I was into it then for sure. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And it's like I could totally see myself uh, hopping into a game to experience those characters, to experience these uh, incredible, technically marvelous visuals. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm I'm into it as an as an idea, as a game that I might pick up. I, I'm like the developer even said that they might bring it to Switch, which I would like to see it on there. I mean, Isn't there's it, no reason it. Are you a little work. annoyed how like all these developers like are basically asking their fans to beg for Switch versions of games? Like, look, right, Switch yeah. is out. It's a success. Just put your game on it if you can. Right? Yeah. Don't don't make us go don't through. Don't be like, bands, oh, like, if there's interest, if you guys all sign a petition and like right, you know, yeah. no, like just just come. put it on the Switch. It's going to do well. Yep. Um, I, I, beyond that, like, I, I mean, I tried to play some other games. I like, I played like Ace Combat 7. I liked and things like, and, um, yeah, Bandai so Namco I, in general, kind of an oddly good year for them because I played Nino Kune yeah. 2 and I liked that a lot also. Right. Um, I, I, we liked Neck 2. I mean, that's yeah, probably worth mentioning. Yeah, surprisingly fun. I played, right, yeah. I played the new Dis- Final Fantasy Dissidia game and that's a beautiful mess. Yeah. It's the most totally, overcomplicated yeah, I, I liked UI. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun. Uh, I liked, uh, you know, Rocket League was uh was great on the Switch. I mentioned that. I really want to have that ready to go. But uh, it was hard to get my hands on some of the other big games. Like I wanted to play Wolfenstein. I couldn't do that. It was, there wasn't time. Um, mm-hmm. they, I think Dean saw it. I think he thought it was great, but I, I didn't have time to do it myself. Yeah. Um, uh, Skull and Bones. I was going to try to make time for that on the last day, but the Nintendo employment went long, so I couldn't make that because I had my flight. So there's some of these other games that I really wish I could have got a chance to play, but I, I didn't. That I'm still excited to at least see for myself. Right. So I guess maybe that's maybe the last thing we talk about here is what you think, what you thought about like the crowd situation and the kind of open E3 thing. We talked about a little bit in the beginning. Yeah, um, but I mean, we could just kind of maybe have finalize our thoughts there. Uh, so I, I just wrote the story. I talked to the, I talked to a, a bunch of people. I talked to uh, one board member from the ESA. I talked to a representative of Nintendo. Uh, everyone seems to to agree that they that it's great that the fans were there because they do seem like they had a great time, but also. It wasn't as good a good time as it could have been. The ESA could have been more communicative, uh, and uh, things are probably going to have to change if it's going to come back in the future. And I, I agree. I think it's going to have to change if they are going to continue inviting fifteen thousand people. Um, the one thing that people did uh, that uh, uh, Sean Layden mentioned is like, you know, if we're going to have if we're going to have like public days. It, the Los Angeles Convention Center doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, there's no Holiday Inn pretty close to the LACC. Um, there's expensive hotels, hotels that are booked up by the industry right away. Uh, so everyone else has to, you know, drive in or take a cab or try to use the public transit in LA, which is really bad. Uh, so it's like a bad location for the kind of thing that maybe they would want to do as an alternative. Can we can we get E3 out of LA? Yeah, I mean, it's starting to feel like. Uh, I, I mean, the Anaheim the Anaheim Convention Center is one that uh, Sean Layden mentioned. I think Las Vegas would just be fine at this point. Like, why is, it, why is the Anaheim isn't one it? that big? Because I, 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 I see it all the time because I, mean, I go to Disneyland. I'd be all about that because I like right. Disneyland. I'll just go there some. Las Vegas well, yeah. seems to make sense though, right? Like, yeah, just go to the place that's I, basically designed for conventions. Yeah, totally. And they have the biggest convention hall in the U.S. or whatever. I mean, 
just put it all in there, put it all in one giant hall uh, with big, you know, big hallways that we could walk down um, and, you know, maybe have one or two public days. At that That's point, fine. it would make perfect sense. Even if even they just had one press day, just give us something, you know? Yeah, totally. I yeah. think that might uh, be more likely. I think there'll be a press day and not a public day, but... Yeah, I mean, it'll be a press day and then a mixed day. Uh, like we, would, we could probably come back on the other days and do some other things, but at least one press day where we could get it, a lot of stuff it done. It would be weird not to have E3 in that convention center, right? But if, you know, you yeah. can't have your cake and eat it, too. Yeah, so they, I mean, they did Santa Monica in that plan hangar. That was 2007, so that's yeah, 10 that's years before ago our now. time. Right, uh, and then a long time ago, it was in Atlanta. Um, and, like, no one, everyone that I, that I talked to that would have any say in it said they, they don't want to go back to Atlanta. Um, so so that's one convention center crossed off the list. Um, I don't know. I I was fine with it in the end. It, it did get in the waves yeah, uh, I mean, a little bit. A- I was real nervous at first because the line to get in that day was just bonkers and seeing. But like once the show floor opened, people got in there pretty quick. And yeah, you know, it's maybe for us with our appointments, it was fine to still do our jobs, right? Like we got our work mm-hmm. done. Um, it was a little crowded. It was definitely yeah. noticeably more crowded. It but, was a little, like a little bit harder to eat or something. Like I didn't sure. eat at the convention center, which is something I have done in the past. Like, yeah, they eat at like weird truck. off hours, right? If right. You yeah. food. So yeah, there's definitely work to be done. Yes. Um, I, I do think, though, that there's just too many people that want to go. There's too much money to be made by the ESA and uh, and to keep the show relevant uh, to maybe step back and not do this next year. I, I, I think that this is a permanent change. We're going to keep getting fans right. in the mm-hmm. 83. Especially these days, you know, everybody's an influencer, right? Everybody has their Twitter account. Right. So. Sony yeah. and Microsoft. And the, and and they a want lot, all a lot of the influencers people. were getting in, but like now, like everyone can get in, even if you're up and coming and you have a chance to make your name at E3 or something. Oh, so, nice. yeah. Um, okay. I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, Mike, any other final thoughts or do you just want to tell people where to find you on the internet? I just want to play Mario. Thank God. I don't have to wait too yeah, long for that. So yeah, yeah you can four months. That's so nice. Yeah. So I'm Tolkoto T O L K O T O on Twitter I'm always writing on Games Beats, and I'm also doing the Exploding Barrel podcast with my brother all the time. That's it. Excuse me, ebpodcast.com. So, here's that. All right, and I am Jeff Grubb on Twitter. I uh, have a YouTube page, youtube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb. We posted some um, gameplay of Mario and Assassin's Creed. Everyone was mean to me in the Assassin's Creed video. I don't understand why. I really do think it's because the game, the, the combat has changed. So I'm sorry that I took like, a second to learn fault. the new combat system. <laughs> well, I, don't really, I mean, even if you, I think I they think expected me to do counters, which just aren't in that game anymore. Right. I think that's exactly what it was. I, I think people were expecting you to like, like make it look like past Assassin's Creed games with the cool counters. And you, that's just not an option. So they're like, oh, this guy must suck. So, yeah, that that's pretty funny. But all that stuff's on our our, uh, you, our VentureBeat YouTube page, uh, youtube.com slash VentureBeat. And then I've got some other, like, smaller Mario, Mario videos on mine. Um, yeah, and we'll be back next week. We didn't talk about some of the news I wanted to mention. Maybe we'll, we'll bring that up next week. Uh, IO Interactive is indie. Um, a few other things we mentioned. Uh, I used to cross most of that stuff off the list. But, yeah, we'll be back next week. Until then, have a good one. Mike, say goodbye to all the good people out there. See, see you later. Uh, let's use this, uh, make this the going out theme. <laughs> Open salami. Whoa. <laughs>